This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And it, it is time for our public podcast. And first, I have to get out an apology to our Patreons because yep. we missed the Patreon podcast last Boy, week. Boy, howdy did we. And part of the reason was we were at uh, Convergence, mm-hmm. which is a science fiction fantasy pop culture convention. Right. And we had every intention of doing it, but then we also lost our rabbit, Dougal, right, right after the convention. And um, I think weepy people... Probably a bad idea. Makes for a terrible podcast. It was 4th of July weekend. I don't know that a lot of people were listening to podcasts. It's just that we got our Patreon money also, and I was just like, oh, we owe the Patreons. So we will make that up to you at some point. Um, Actually, what I think I might do is uh, do a reading of one of the things that I did at Convergence. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and you get that for free without attending it. Maybe I'll put together Dork the Emu. But, um, yeah, it sucked losing our rabbit. Was bad. Uh, We'd had him for a very long time. He was at least 10, which is old for a domestic rabbit. Um, But he was... He was a good pet. He was a good guy. He was a a very good boy. But, uh, yeah, it was... It was time for him to leave us. And that's kind of all I want to say about that. All right. You know what we should talk about, which... uh, It's a little off-birding topic, but... Mm -hmm. We got to meet Chuck Tingle at Convergence. Did. And if you know who Chuck Tingle is, yes, Dr. Chuck Tingle, hashtag buckaroo, hashtag love is real. We got to meet him over the weekend. And for those of you who do not know who Chuck Tingle is. Google it at work. Do not Google it at work. <laughs> Maybe go into incognito mode in Chrome and Google it. Right. But he writes absurdist, I don't want to say erotica because it's a little more hardcore than that. He writes, uh, I think erotica is fine. He writes books in which uh, people have sex with dinosaurs and airplanes, also concepts of things. Yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, and the, these come out very quickly. And it was, you know, it was basically, um, and, uh, this is, and we should probably, you know. If you've got kids in the car, this is probably not an episode to listen to with the kids in the car. So go ahead and switch this one off. I don't think anybody should listen to this episode with kids in the car. <laughs> I don't think anybody should listen to this podcast. Yeah, but that's well, there's neither that. Here nor there. Uh, was it uh, pounded in the butt by billionaire T Rex? No, that was uh, my billionaire Triceratops craves gay ass. There we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> but there is pounded in the butt by my own butt. Right. Where somebody clones their butt with a hawk. Right. Uh, pounded in the butt by my Hugo Awards nomination because he has been nominated twice for a Hugo Award. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so, as I believe we must have mentioned on this, Sharon wrote a play, wrote an adaptation of some of his... With uh, his permission. With his permission of some of his works. This was performed at the Bryant Lake Bowl last year. Yeah. Uh, and then they uh, got an offer to perform it at Convergence this year. Yes, yes, and I was super excited uh, because the play was well-received at the Bryant Lake Bowl, yes. and this would be a gigantic audience, super primed for it. Yep, it's a hot crowd. And But there's nervousness because having known several authors who have had their works adapted, sure. more often than not, it makes them angry when they see the adaptation. It goes wrong. Yeah. It goes wrong. So, like, you do something that doesn't... Right. That just, that's that wasn't their vision. Right. 
So I was incredibly nervous and um, Chuck loved it. Chuck, Chuck like asked me for hugs. I don't normally give hugs. I'm not a huggy person, but I get, he, he, I got two hugs from Chuck. I got a picture of Chuck with the butt puppet. Um, the crowd, the crowd was on it from jump and I had several people tell me because Chuck was in the room, but he wasn't sitting. He was standing in the back. Somebody sent me a video of Chuck watching the show and he's running around back and forth and jumping and and like clapping with glee. And, and I was like, Oh, is it okay if I post this video? He's like, Oh yeah, you can totally post that video. And I was going to, and then I was like, hold on. And I started listening to the dialogue that was happening in the background. And I was like, Oh, I can't post that on Facebook. (laughs) I might post it on the Patreon page and I might just like tag it. Not safe for work, which you need to understand when you hear some of the stuff out of context these are lines from his actual book. Right. This is what the book is about. But it was just that. Yeah, but he, he dug it and and people dug it. I got and I got some interesting feedback on how to reword a couple of lines if we ever do it again. But um it was an amazing experience. And something with Chuck Tingle is he's anonymous. Mm-hmm. We don't know who he is. There are lots of theories about who Chuck is uh, for a long, I shouldn't say long time, but very recently uh, a major theory was that I was Chuck Tingle. I've heard that. I saw a poll where I was the number two answer. Right. Which, if I was, I wouldn't adapt my own play. Right. <laughs> but, um, or, and if I did, I wouldn't be telling people about it. But um, it's not anyone we know. Right. Be, but he also, he, he wears... he. Uh, uh, he he has, shows up wearing a karate gi, the the, the thing that you wear for a karate, yeah. uh, and he has a bag over his head. That says love is real. Love is real. And then he is apparently wearing another mask underneath that. Yeah, so when I was super close, I could see another mask, and I can't think right. of any other way to describe it except like a jock strap. Yeah, probably like a balaclava. Yeah, but it wasn't quite, the, the, it looked more breathable. It okay. looked more flexible, but it's clearly, sure. so like if somebody wanted to take that right. off his head, yeah. there would be this. And also he has sunglasses over the eye holes. Right. So that way, uh, I mean, you, there's there's really, there's, right. yeah, yeah. And then you did, were you on, I know you did, uh, you did a panel, you did judging a book with him, because yeah. I saw that. That's an is, improv game. Yeah. That's an improv game where you're you're shown a book cover without the title and the team's improvise what the book is about mm-hmm. and were you on a panel about his works no there no, were no, a couple no. of those going and there was one going on yeah no no i did i did a lot of the writing panels but um no yeah i got to perform with him mm-hmm. i got to have him watch something that i did it was a dream come true i don't think i can ever do any better at a science fiction and fantasy <laughs> convention Unless I like actually write a science fiction and fantasy book, which uh, I also did some speculative fiction there, and people really seem to like my yeah. idea for a story, so maybe, maybe that will happen. So, incredible highs and lows, and I know life is supposed to be filled with those moments. I just don't want them happening at the right. same time. Yeah, it was. It's been. It's been tough. It's been tough. But we appreciate your patronage. We appreciate <sighs> people listening to this podcast. And now, boy howdy, we are going to talk some news. All right. I think the headline says it all with this one. Uh-huh. Drunk man sends injured baby bird to wildlife rescue center in an Uber. Okay. <laughs> all right. Staff at the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Northern Utah say they received a call last weekend from a man who, quote, had a few too many alcoholic drinks, but discovered a baby lesser goldfinch struggling on the ground. About an hour later, the bird arrived at the center by itself, in an Uber. Staff later learned that the man had called the car and as he was too intoxicated to drive. 
So here's the thing. It's like, wouldn't you just go along with the baby bird too? Yeah, but then he has to take a ride back. I suppose so. But isn't, aren't there rules about, you know, the age of what you can drive in an Uber? <laughs> like they have to be over 16 or something like I that? That lesser goldfinch, I can tell I you, probably know. wasn't even 16 days old. No, I, no, I have no uh, strong opinions. I know that, you know, they do things like uh, uh, Uber will deliver food and things like that. But uh, yeah, an hour long ride. That's a, that's a fairly long ride. I can see why, especially if he's drunk, you don't want to sit in a car with an injured bird. That doesn't mean that. It was an hour-long drive. That just means, uh, like, an oh, hour Oh, it arrived later. an hour long later. Okay, yeah, an enough. hour later. Because, gotcha, I mean, it could have gotcha. been the guy was like, you know, hey, how are you going to get to the wildlife rehab center? Right. And then someone's like, you should Uber that shit. OMFG, that's a great job. I'm, and then, you know, when you're intoxicated trying to work your phone. Right. Do we have any takes from the driver? No. Okay. All right. That's I. That would be the person I would be curious to talk to. And then also, it's like, and, and maybe that was part of the hour-long process right. of like, no, seriously, man, there's a bird in this box. Please take it to this address. And right. he's like, I'm not touching your dirty box. You know? Right. <laughs> well, good. That was nice that that person did it and also that they were responsible enough not to, to realize that they shouldn't be driving. So that's, a, that's a very heartwarming story. That's a cute story. All right. Speaking of which, there was another story, which I feel like we've had this story before. And I was going to ignore sure. it because for a couple reasons. Number one, it was from Fox News. Sure. And as someone who's been on Fox News and has been specifically asked to create fake news for Fox, um, I was dubious because I was like, I feel like we have talked about this before. But anyway, it's a gull that has been covered in curry or turmeric. Didn't we have this story? I, I, see, I definitely remember seeing an orange gull before, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, but apparently this is a recent thing because yeah. I followed it to the original link. So on July 1st... This is another reason why I thought it was a fake story. Uh-huh. Tiggy Winkles Wildlife Hospital. Okay. Who the hell names their wildlife hospital Tiggy Winkles? What the fuck? I don't know. You crazy British people. Um, uh, the bright orange herring gull was rescued by kind members of the public who spotted him at the side of the A41. When they called to say they'd picked up an orange bird, we had no idea what to expect, and we never would have guessed this. He had somehow gotten himself covered in curry or turmeric. It was all over his feathers, and, you know, we'll, we'll put in a link. It, it, it couldn't fly with its mm. curry-covered curry covered feathers, but, yeah, it is a bright orange Does I recall the last time this happened, and I'm pulling this out of the air, that the bird basically got into a bag of, somebody had thrown out a bag of, yeah. of curry powder. And the, like a big bag, scav- yeah. yeah, it was just scavenging it, and it got covered in it. Well, that's weird. Uh, it's inter- it's interesting that uh, that powder would affect the bird so much that it couldn't fly. That it would. Oh it would no, maybe the... it wasn't a powder. Maybe it was like a big. You know how you can get the pre mixed curries. Yeah, but and I'm just saying it's, kind of it's a... interesting to me that you know that the 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 composition of you know what allows that bird to fly would be altered that much by powder well i'm looking at the pictures of the mm-hmm. bird and they're like holding out a wing and you can mm-hmm. see how things are kind of sticky so i, oh, I don't sure. think it got into powder i think mm-hmm. it got into like an actual like a pre okay. yeah yeah right. like maybe someone had a vat of curry as like you do a liquid yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know it's like that smothers brother song i fell into a vat of chocolate right sure. you know it's like the gull is singing i fell into so, a vat of curry so the bird was okay yeah, yeah, it's, it's recovering. This They're is, doing... okay, you're, I feel like I'm getting set up here, because you've given me two stories where the bird turns out okay. So I feel like you're holding something back. <laughs> like you're holding something really horrific back. Okay, let's finish with this story. You know, honestly, I think because we've had a rough emotional sure. week, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I am holding back some of those stories. Because if you want dead birds, I can give you no, dead I birds. No, I don't, but I feel like I'm being set up here. Right. <laughs> to be quite frank with you. To be fair. No. 
Um, oh, I have to go into an incognito window because the link you sent me is not opening. Because okay, <laughs> great setup. Hey, if, the, if you have a link and they want you to like create an account, you don't want to. Right. Google Chrome incognito mode. Right. It's your BFF on the internet. Uh, it's yeah. also your BFF you if it. if you're like searching for stuff that you don't want to have a track record of. Well, it doesn't track it in your browser. But, like, if they're monitoring, like, your Wi-Fi and stuff, they can still track it. Incognito mode just means it doesn't show up in your history on your computer. That's all people are going to check. All right. All right. Okay, so this is something you were excited to send me. (laughs) I don't know if I was excited to send you, but I thought that we could use it for the podcast, yes. (laughs) Okay, according to the New York Times, the best gear for a bird-watching trip. Right. So they wrote, this is a, they've been, as we've mentioned before, New York Times has been doing sort of Semi-regular birding stuff. Was it that you had the um, the podcast that they were doing? Is that the New York Times? Was it? I thought it was. I could be wrong. But anyway, so the, this is something from, I believe, their Wirecutter uh, article, about, which is uh, a group, I think, that's more about, like, doing stuff in the real world, like what you don't need a computer to do. So Five items that Wirecutter's birders used to spot birds fast and record their memories. Okay. Wirecutter birders. They that's up there with Memories. memories. Wirecutter birders. I don't know who that is. I, I know what, like, I've heard wirecutter before. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, one of their tempo pieces, one of their teams. So, yeah, so wirecutter. So, and I'm wondering, it's like, are you really birders? Are you? Are you? Are you? Oh, now you're, now you, are you calling them uh, fake birders? Oh, shit, I am. Yep. Yep, there you go. Wirecutter birder. That's a great name. That's up there with wild girl birders. Sure. Well, I think Wirecutter is the name of, like, the team or the people who work on that. That's, like, you know. Maybe one remember, of them has gone to look at a bird Do you once. remember back in the early days of Wired Magazine when they had the website and they used to post uh, women, focus, female-focused articles, and it was their underwire team? No. <laughs> that's an idea that I would come up with in my 20s. <laughs> That's up there. That's up there when that. Remember that person that wanted to start that all female theater group, Theater Unbound. Yes, they did. They did. They did. It's successful. Yeah, when they had, I think, their ten year anniversary, like we want to get all the founding board members back, and you know, do you want to come and you know and do this? It's like, oh, you don't want me. I was high. I was the most problematic. They wanted me out of there asap because one of my first ideas was like, well, clearly as a fundraiser, we need to have a bikini car wash. Yep. And everyone just looked at me horrified. I was like, no, it's okay. We're, like, taking control of our sexuality. We right. have our own agency. Just blank stares. And I was like, I don't think I'm board member material. Everyone turned their chair away from you. They pretty the much did. Seen- they <laughs> pretty much did. And it's like... Anyway, let's get back to the And that's why I write plays now that have gay Tyrannosaurus Rex orgies with men for money. Anywho. um, Okay, so the best gear. One is Athlon Athlon Optics Midas ED. Okay. Do you know anything about those binoculars? I've never heard of Athlon. Okay. Uh, But the New York Times is telling me they're amazingly affordable with great optics. These binoculars have comparable performance to many models that cost thousands more, giving you up-close views from far away. You know what? All binoculars. Binoculars? Binoculars. Binoculars. All binoculars will do that. And especially on a sunny day, generally, they're going to be great. Yeah, this is the running theme of this article is I think they were going for affordability. This is all like, like you don't need, like, obviously... 
that's what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to get into bird watching, here are some affordable entryway items that you can get. So it's really fascinating to me, the number of people that are getting into the affordable optics game and mm -hmm. how many names are out there that I don't know as well. Oh, sure. So I was at a bird festival recently and someone was showing me a pair of optics that they got on Amazon, I think called Wingspan. Mm. And they were... For what they were, they were good. They were like a $99 pair of binoculars, and we were even comparing them. It was like a rainy, drizzly day, and that's the best day to compare binoculars. You don't want to right. do it on a sunny day, because they're all going to look great. Yeah. Um, Which is when most casual birders are going to go birding. Yeah, yeah. Say. So, But, I yeah. mean, if you really want to see the difference between, like, a Swarovski or an Athlon or Vortex mm. or a Vixen or whatever... Um, you want to you want to do it at dawn and dusk. You want to do it on overcast days. You want to look in dark corners. And that's where you're going to be like, "Oh, this is why someone who goes birding every single day wants this optic." Right. You know. Um there's also the thing of if you're only going birding here and there, you're mm -hmm. not going to suffer from eye fatigue as much. Right. Whereas if you're like me and you're out all day and you're using them constantly, mm -hmm. Eye fatigue is a thing. So that's that's another thing to think of. It's it's a lot like, you know, looking at your computer screen all day. So mm -hmm. but um there are a wide range of optics out there and almost all of them standard across the board are having the thing of like, hey, we're waterproof. And they're all doing the vortex thing of like, mm -hmm. hey, we have this amazing lifetime warranty. You sure. you drop it off your car and we'll either fix it or send it back to you for free. What I think is going to be interesting with some of these newer companies is whether or not they're gonna follow through on that warranty. Mm. And that's the thing that I, I would look for with those is I would talk to people who have had to have repairs or I would look at things online mm -hmm. and you can tell pretty quickly which are the companies that have a good track record of repair right. and which of the companies are the one like, well, it took me forever to get this fixed and I was only able to get it fixed once I ran into a sales rep and that person like gave me personal help. And how often right. are you going to like actually run into a sales right. rep? But I mean, there are some companies that are out there that are good, but yeah, I'm just like fascinated. It's like, I don't know, Athlon. Wow, you look like you come from the same factory in China that comes from some other optics companies that are well known out there. But uh, okay, yeah. so that's so basic. So a basic pair of binoculars. Basic pair of binoculars from a company I've never heard of called Athlon. Mm -hmm. The next is the National Geographic Field Guide to the Birds of North America, which is a weighty tome. It is, and could I'm be if you get the hardback, you could use it as a murder weapon. <laughs> Well, the other thing that's fascinating with this is, like, this is a field guide that's well known for its constant updates. Yeah. I mean, it updates almost as frequently as your smartphone. Yeah. And so the thing is, like, oh, you're going to buy it in, like, six months. They're going to have a new version of it out. Yeah. Do they have an app? Oh. You don't go to my tech nature classes. No. Okay. I don't. Why would I? Oh, can I tell you the sad, sad tale of the National Ge Geographic app? Yeah, sure. Okay. Remember Palm Pilot? Remember, I oh, yeah. remember I got one specifically so I could have. Yeah, you had the little cartridge that you had to like snap into the Palm Pilot so you could access. It's like an, the gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the, the it's like a Game Boy. Yeah, that, that was like the first time I was like, oh, these little like handheld computer things are useful. I can have the National Geographic Guide on there, sure. and it was super expensive because it was like what two hundred bucks to get the Palm and then like another hundred and fifty to get right. that app. But anyway, I was just like super excited for technology, and I was like super happy to show everybody this. Right. Then, like, less than a year later, the iPhone comes out. Right. And everybody's like, eh. And so the iPhone gets wildly popular. Then iBird debuts on the iPhone, mm -hmm. uh, which was problematic in its own way, but it was very clearly the future of right. where those apps were going to go. Was, as it, was the Palm in color? It was. Okay. It was. Because I had the Palm Pilot that was just black and white. No, my, mine okay. was yeah. in color. Okay. And so... 
National Geographic tried really hard, but it was very clear that the Palm Pilot was going to go the way of Betamax. Right. And iPhone was the VHS. So <clears throat> that goes away. Everybody feels bad. And then kind of a few years later, as like the Sibley app is getting in there and Peterson mm-hmm. is dipping their toes in, someone at National Geographic is like, I bet we could retool this Palm Pilot app into uh, a Mac platform. And it was crashy AF, you know, and it was and, and it was like, oh, and I really love this guy. I mean, I, I like National Geographic better than I like Peterson. So then the, then they, they tried really hard to update the app and get it working. And then and now they just have stopped updating it. They just can't keep up with all the iOS updates that happen. And I don't even think you can even open it anymore unless you're someone who never updates your iOS software and you have a super old iPhone. Sure. So I feel really bad. And I think they've just decided, you know what? We make more money and get less complaints if we just update our field guide every all right, so I have nine an, to twelve months. I have an update here. Wirecutter, formerly known as the Wirecutter, is a product review website owned by the New York Times. So it is not specifically uh, offline stuff. So that was my mistake. Yeah. Uh, but there, so that's the product review site. Okay. Uh, okay. So so do so in terms of recommendations of this book, it's a heavy. It's not an easy book. It's a wonderful around. field guide. Yeah. I love this field guide. This mm-hmm. was one of so I started with the Peterson field guide, mm-hmm. and then uh, a relative gave me a National Geographic kit one mm-hmm. Christmas, and it had one of the early versions of this right. field guide, and it had the Wonder Birds, and it mm-hmm. even had like little floppy records of bird calls with it. I love the illustrations in this guide. Mm-hmm. I will always have a fondness for this guide. I'm to the point where I don't really go out with a field guide anymore. Right. I might use some an app on my phone to mm-hmm. do like some quick comparisons, right. but at the end of the day, I don't need a field guide when I go out anymore. Sure. And again, so for an entry level birder, this would be a good guide. This the, it's, and you know you say it's it updates a lot, but like if you're an, if you're an entry level birder, you're not going to really care if they've reclassified. Because what you're talking about is like the reclassification of birds into a different group than it was before. Yeah. Or splitting a species. Well, yeah. Uh, That's something that an entry-level birder isn't going to really care about. So an entry-level birder isn't going to be interested in this guide because they're going to want a guide organized by color. Yeah. So let's say you've gone through your guide organized by color and you're like, I want to I wanna go to the next step. I want to work on my shorebirds. Mm-hmm. I want to work on my fall warblers. Then I think this is this is a good one. Right. Uh, it's a good guide to study. The illustrations are amazing. The information's really good. Okay. All right. Next. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. I got into that. That's, oh, we're okay. saving that for last. Panasonic Lumix DCFZ80. You know what? I like the Lumix cameras. Oh, it's a camera. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a camera. Um, you can use these for digiscoping. Mm-hmm. If the iPhone cameras hadn't gotten as great as they have, I would have gone the way of the Lumix uh, oh. with digiscope. Some of the best digiscopers out there who do stuff not with a smartphone, they mm-hmm. do it with the Lumix. You can do amazing things. So as far as a camera, and you don't even have to digiscope with this. You can, this one, um, this particular one has a 60 zoom. Oh, wow. Um, you're not going to get your pictures published in National Geographic, but sharing mm-hmm. your photos online. How much does it say how much that uh, camera costs? Lumixes are not cheap. Let oh, me okay. Google this. Okay, so what you got? Okay, so this particular version of Lumix is going to be actually in the kind of the $300 range. Oh, so I was saying, yeah. I'm thinking of the Lumix GH4, which is right. really fantastic for digiscoping. Mm-hmm. That 
new is going to be in the $1,200 range. Uh, okay. Used, you can probably find something in the $800 for an, range. For an, actual, for an actual camera, $300 is not terrible. No, no, no. Especially one that you're not going to be using for digiscoping. Um, but, I mean, it, it gets you it gets you reasonable shots. Okay. Um, so, I would... But Lumix is a good line of cameras. I would... I'd, I'd be on board with that. Okay, so we're down with that. Okay. All right, what's next on the list? Uh, field notes, notebooks. Love them. You do. What Favorite. do you love about them? Uh... It's just a company that cares a lot about. I mean, first of all, the paper is just very. It's a very nice paper notebook to write on. They're not terribly expensive, and the people who make them care a lot about design. They do very fun limited editions. They do like one that was based off of state fairs, and so you could order that. They did one I really liked that was. Um, it was about the. They just decided to make it about the moon, and so they had these like wonderfully like just stamped covers and stuff. So they it's. The people that design them care a lot about design, and if you want something slightly different, they have all these special editions and stuff that don't really cost much more. Uh, but beyond that, just their basic note, it's just a basic, well-designed notebook. Yeah, and it says that they may actually fit in your pocket. That's assuming you have pockets. Exactly. Because <laughs> women traditionally do not have pockets in exactly. their clothing. It's just it's it's a well-designed, simple notebook. So have you ever used the Write and Rain notebooks? Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, and that's good if you're if you need something to be outside in the rain. Mm-hmm. But I don't do that. So yeah, I, I like the right and rain when I did field work. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I'm out birding for myself, I'm not usually. And like the right and rain is is fine, but the the paper is treated obviously so that it's more water resistant. So when you write on it, you have to apply more pressure, and it's not a it's not as pleasant a tactile experience as okay. it is writing on them. Yeah, you and I do have an appreciation for good pens and good paper. Yep. You more so than I do, but it, yep. it's interesting. Like, I specifically order very specific pens, yeah. and every now and then, I was just at a meeting the other day, and somebody needed a pen. I was like, here, you can borrow mine. Yeah. And, like, at the end of it, she's like, this pen is amazing. I was like, I know, give it back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't spend a ton of money. Yeah, and there are... Oh, sorry, go ahead. But, I mean, you remember that list of, uh, like, the 50 best pens out there? Right. Mine were, like, in the 20s, like, yeah. close to the top. And, and the pens that people absolutely yeah. loved, I don't like that style of pen, but for, like, the style of pen I like. Right. Are you, are you familiar with everyday culture, everyday carry culture? Uh-uh. It's just this, it's this group of products where people talk about stuff that you carry they're looking they're looking for the best thing that you can use every day Mm. so and some of it is i found out about it because i was looking for a pocket knife to carry around Mm -hmm. but it extends into everything so it's like if you what's what's your ballpoint your everyday carry ballpoint pen okay it's like oh i like this particular pen because you know it's like big particular model number and it's like oh this is the best pen that i carry this is what i carry around every day but it's people who are looking to have the best experiences with everyday objects so, like, you know, for a long time, my everyday carry for a, a rollerball was the Pilot Precise V7, as opposed to the V5, because I had very specific feelings on how that used. So it's like, <laughs> it gets that specific. I think, and I'm trying to remember which Pilot rollerball I have. I don't mm-hmm. have it uh, in front of me right now, but it's right. the extra fine point. That's the V7. Okay, that's the V7. That is the pen that I absolutely love yeah and then the other th- one that i love is the disposable fountain the pen. varsity yeah the varsity yeah. disposable fountain. Yep. and everybody's just like are you using a fountain pen it's like it's just a disposable fountain but i like them yeah. both because they're good writing it's experience it's a pleasant writing experience. it is and and so then sometimes and when this... i'm at my desk and i'm taking notes and i get like a garden variety right. ballpoint pen i'm like ew so and i mean you know i've i love field notes brands and there are so because it's because it has become a, a 
a, a nerd brand, uh, something that people care about. There are a lot of knockoffs, you know. There are a lot of companies that make, because their basic notebook is just a brown sort of heavy And that's what the stock, New York Times is. Brown heavy cardstock, yeah. and it says field notes in yeah. block letters. And so you will see field trip and things like that. And they're not as good. Is it a world of difference? Not really. It's paper with a cardboard cover, but it's... Difference. So essentially, we're talking about like the difference between when you get those upper end binoculars, like Zeiss, like and Swarovski. Right. They're all super expensive. They're all great, but it's right. just like what are the little differences that yeah, you kind appreciate? Of. But I mean, this yeah. is but I mean, this is on the level of like if you had two different, if you had a hundred dollars to spend on binoculars, mm-hmm. there's going to be one that's slightly better. Oh yeah, I mean, any and and some of that is just own personal preference, yeah. but but yeah, you you should. Those little differences, especially if you're using it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe so, field notes. Love field notes. All right. Cool. I endorse field notes. All right. I personally am a fan of my, I can't pronounce it, journal. Like yes. Therm- the, oh, your bullet journal. Yes. The Luxstrom. Luxstrom. Yeah. I love the paper in those that's things. Great stuff. That's great It's a very good, that's a good example of another notebook. It's like you could buy, yeah, you just buy this notebook at, uh, you know, Moleskin used to be like that. Moleskin, Moleskin used to be my go-to notebook. Moleskin used to be great. And then they changed. The yeah, the paper... The, the paper beca- became less good. Yeah. And they got into all this really weird stuff, like marketing, like it's the Star Wars moleskin, and it's the Lego moleskin and stuff, and you know. Every now and then I find one of our super old moleskins, and yeah. like the tiny ones where the paper's still yeah. good, and it's like, oh, I didn't finish writing in yeah. there. <laughs> and I also find... It's... I found one, I think... Which trip was it? I think it was my first international trip, my trip to Guatemala, and all the notes that I made about it, and the people I didn't like on that trip. <laughs> and the people that I did like on that trip. <laughs> Great. So, okay, so field notes. Good. Heartily endorse those. Heartily endorsed by the non-birder. Yep. Um, All right, so I saved the best for last. Uh, I knew this was going to be, yeah. So what do we got? First of all, the name is terrible. Uh Sunday Afternoon's Ultra Adventure Hat. This hat does not say adventure. This is not a hat that Indiana Jones would wear. (laughs) Adventure has a new new name, and it's Sunday Adventure. I know, Sunday. I mean, you're Sunday looking afternoon. at this. No, who has an adventure on a Sunday afternoon? I mean, let's be real. Uh, Freddie Mercury had a song about, no, he was lazing on a Sunday afternoon. That's that not, not adventure. Not a... I mean, I, I highly endorse lazing on a Sunday afternoon. Like, if you want to, like, mock right. it up. Right. And by that, I mean sit in a hammock and lazily watch birds sing over you. Right. And I'm okay if that's how teenagers want to enjoy their so outdoor des- experience. So describe what this hat looks like. Because I knew what you were going to feel about this. Because I know how you feel about birding hats in general. You know, I didn't think there could be anything worse than a Tilly hat, but this is it. Don't like the Tilly hat, which is basically just a sort of a broad, broad beamed hat that, you know, it's perforated so that the air can get in and out. This makes me want to wear a Tilly hat. Right. This is kind of a, this is kind of a dorky looking hat. Uh, It's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a baseball cap, except the bill goes all the way around, and then there is a flap that hangs down on the back, presumably to protect your neck. Okay, so let's say you took a Tilly hat, right? and um, you inbred it with another Tilly hat. <laughs> okay. And this is the result that happens. So, no, so, okay, so it's a front hat is kind of a Tilly hat, because it's got that brim happening. It's kind of like if you've ever seen, like, the old guy fishing hat. It's kind of like that. Yeah, so the top part, where it's like, Tilly would try to be jaunty right. and and have... Go for a Stetson look. Go for a Stetson look. This goes for, like, the baseball cap rounded yep. look. And I can see some ventilation there. Mm-hmm. And then the back, it's like... It's a mullet. 
It's a mullet. Yeah, it's it's a mullet hat. Yeah, the back, the um, brim is flaccid. Yes. And so it hangs down over the back of your neck. And yeah. I get it. That's going to protect your neck from sun damage. Right. Now, I'd like to point out that you, A, typically don't wear a hat when you go birding. I Sometimes have, oh, you, you have a baseball. You have, like, baseball caps that you wear. Uh, my ranger hat. Okay, but you don't wear your ranger hat when you... I do... Okay. I do have one ranger hat that I do wear. Okay. That's my breezer hat. Right. And um, it's not as... So, basically... Okay. Inside, inside baseball stuff here. So, as a park ranger, you are technically not allowed to wear your uniform when you're off duty. Which makes sense. You don't right. want someone going around and, you know... Going into bars. Going into bars in the uniform. Right. Although I did learn recently that we are allowed one beer in uniform or oh. one drink. Like, oh. so if you're going out to a, a lunch or a right. after work happy hour celebration, you're right. allowed one drink. Okay. Um, good, to good to know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there are a couple hats that we have that are super iconic that you're going to look at that and be like, that's a fucking park ranger hat. Right. And that one the is my, the smoky bear hat. And there's the felt one that looks like the sheriff's hat, mm-hmm. and that which is super comfortable. And then there's the straw hat. Which is super uncomfortable. Right. But um, but then there are a variety of ranger hats for practical conditions. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to wear my straw hat or my felt hat when I'm doing a kayak program. No, that would be a terrible idea. Because if it falls into the river, that's a fucking expensive hat to lose. Yep. I get an allowance. But, I mean, still, if it's, yeah. it's that, that's a big chunk of the allowance. And also, if it remotely gets wet, it warps. It's So there's one called the Breezer. And it's a hat that I've seen birders wear. And it's, mm-hmm. the only difference is mine has like little tiny letters on there. It says National Park Service. So if I'm wearing it out in public, it looks more like I'm a fan of the National Park Service than an actual park ranger. There are also park ranger baseball caps. Um, and they just have the National Park Service logo. Mm-hmm. I And the number of times that I have seen people out like... Wearing field clothing, like, oh my gosh, I, I ran into this young woman, uh, where was I, in Texas? And and I looked at her and I was like, what National Park site have you worked for? And she looked at me kind of curious and I was like, you're wearing the Park Service convertible pants, which, by the way, are the worst pants. They're right. worse than the wool pants that we have to wear because they just trap heat in. She's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think anybody would notice. Or, like, I'll see people sometimes wearing the belt. Ah, uh, sure. And it's it's a cool looking belt, I you know Very cool I, yeah. Belt. So you know they're they're just and you can just kind of go up to someone's like hey which which site do you work for so that that kind of stuff. But um, anywho, all the park ranger hats, especially the breezer, they're just really handy outdoor hats. Sure. And the breezer, it's a comfortable hat. It looks better than a Tilly hat. It works really great if you're in a downpour of right. keeping the rain off your face. Now, I know that you had, like, I figured you were going to, this is not what I would call an attractive hat. I would probably wear it if I was in a situation where I had to be, like, out. Like, if, God forbid, I had to go out for a long period of time into the wild. It's a field work hat, yeah. It's just a typically, but I know that you have very strong feeling, especially about floppy hats, because I was a big fan of the, um, I can't think of what it was called, the boonie hat. And uh, I have one that I used to use for field work. Uh, absolutely love those. And they kept disappearing for some reason, which was very odd, because I really love those hats, and I tried to keep an eye on them. Okay, so here's here's the thing with those. Because they're they're designed to be, like, collapsible and just, like, you can shove them in your luggage. Right. You're out doing field work. No one's going to see you out there. It's okay to look like a hot mess out in the field <laughs> of work. And you're not even looking like a hot mess. You're just looking like right. a mess. So the hat is kind of crumply. It's floppy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's keeping the sun off of you, but it doesn't look nice. So I think, like, for me, if you're just going to your local city park or if you're right. going out with your wife for a date. I shouldn't wear the Sunday adventure, Sunday afternoon adventure hat. Not if you want to get laid. 
that's the thing. Like, I really hope this company offers to like sponsor us. <laughs> They'll sponsor you, not me. <laughs> Do a commercial on the go, in the shower, or just having a Sunday afternoon adventure. You know, we could do some really funny commercials with this hat, and they would probably love it. I don't want to be associated with it. We'll hire someone to be me. All right. But um, but no, but it, so it's like the people that we're just going to an urban park and they go full bore with the floppy, ill-fitting oh, sure. clothing and like taping up for ticks. And I'm like, you're really not going to get a tick today. I, yeah. I know I know there's concern about ticks, but and so you just look like this frumpy group of people flopping around in the woods. That's part of the appeal, though, I think, is that that you get to <laughs> is that you get to gear up. I mean, that's part of the like the experience. Like when you join a group, when you get into a hobby, is like, oh, I'm serious about this now. I'm going to put on the I'm going to put on the gear because I'm not just somebody. I didn't just you know. I think I'll just go outside and look at birds today. It's like, oh no, I have my. Well, you have the everyday carry. You have like, oh, I have this special pair of pants, and these pants are so much more comfortable to be in. It's like, and it's just. I mean, that's just part of the appeal of being in Who a hobby. Who looks at a bunch of birders with ill-fitting convertible pants, like well, not bird you, festival obviously. shirts that are the wrong size, like gigantic, and a floppy rumpled it's... hat, and you're like. Oh, look at that frump. But I'm into that. I not, want to join that. That's my people. But you're looking at it from, it's, strangely enough, you are looking at it from the outside. This is how a group defines itself. It's like people talk about, uh, like, you know, counterculture, like punk rockers all dressed alike. And it's like, yeah, that's how they identify themselves in this group. I just want people to wear clothes that fit. That's all I want. Well, they don't. Maybe they, maybe they care more about comfort. Maybe they care, you can wear care more about pockets. Hey, you know when I once and you know I was, I'm saying if you're part of a if you're part of the group if part of marketing is oh this is the bird watcher I think that's how Tilly organizes themselves because when I do go into Nate I do go into outdoor stores there's always like a spinner rack of the Tilly hats uh-huh. and it's like so that's how they're marketing themselves we are the birding hat and we're you don't the like hat them. that an elephant shit out and you can still wear. <laughs> That's that, their marketing That's strategy. a story. That is a story. That's an adventure. Talk about a Sunday afternoon adventure. Elephant ate my hat. Elephant ate my hat and then shit it out and I got it back. <laughs> I just washed it. Do you want to wear it? No. I do not. No. I do not. Uh, Actually, that wouldn't happen in an afternoon. I think it takes a lot longer for well, a tilly hat to go through an elephant yeah. than an afternoon. But I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I was a fan of the convertible pants and I right. had trouble finding ones that fit me. And then I realized you could go online to Columbia and be like, hey, right. they make these in short person sizes. Yeah. And they're super com- comfortable. And right. But I, I know also that there are people who probably think, oh, convertible pants. Just buy some pants and just... Because they're dorky. They have zippers on them. You can zip them off as a comfort factor, as a heat regulation factor. I'm sure there are some people I who think... convertible think pants look cool. Those are unfashionable. Well, there you go. That's what you think. I'm sure there are some people who are like, what are these idiots oh, doing? Oh, God. Now I just realize I've come full circle and how I'm contradicting myself. Because for a while, I refused to call them convertible pants. Right. I called them my adventure pants. <laughs> I just tried to do the convertible pants what this company tried to do with a hat. Maybe they like listened to an early version of Maybe. the podcast and were like, well, clearly we need to call this the adventure hat right. and not the convertible hat. Not the mullet hat that it yeah. really is. This is the McMurray hat. No, yeah. no. Oh, gosh. Now I'm just realizing. But convertible pants are so practical because you're out somewhere. That's fine. It's 40 degrees and then like suddenly it's 90 degrees in the right. afternoon and you zip them off. Yes. 
Someday I'm going to write that that birding erotica novel, and it's going to feature convertible pants, and I'm going to have a sex scene with convertible pants, and people are all going to be like, yeah, i got to get a pair of those. I'm going to do for convertible pants in a book what Clark Gable did for not wearing an undershirt in It Happened One Night. Oh, I thought you were going to say Chuck Tingle did for dinosaurs. (laughs) Okay, Uh, do we have anything else to discuss? Um, let's see. How many, how many feathers did this bird lose? Oh, boy. Oh, I really don't want to talk about birds trapped in amber. Okay. Okay. So this has been Bird Chick Podcast number 251. Uh, Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back in two weeks with another public podcast. If you have any questions for Sharon, she is Sharon at birdchick.com. You can find her on Twitter where she is at birdchick. You can find her on Facebook where she is the birdchick, I believe. Or is it the real birdchick? I can't remember. All right, take care. We'll talk to you soon.